ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus. You are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, J.C. John Coleman. John Coleman. Dio, you said you have no time. Let's get into it. What if we just did an episode and just got right into it? No intro, no bullshit. John Coleman. Oh, yeah. Dio, what's popping? Ah, I'm fired up, John, and I'm ready to go. No, why? Literally, I'm fired up. This is a bonus episode. Truth be told, you and I did not have this slated to record today. I know. Okay, this is going to be the fastest episode on record because I have to get done recording with you to hook up with Ginger Bell with the Mortgage Influencers podcast, and her shit is like live, and it is like you got to be on time. Well, you got to be late then. Yeah, so I have 20 minutes. I got 20 minutes to get out what I want to get out, and I have to talk about it. Just have to. This is why if we had five shows a week and we were doing them all live. It's called syndicated television. Okay, well, when we get there, John, look, I heard Tucker, Tucker Carlson's out of a job. Maybe we can slide in. Never heard of him. Okay, good for you. That means you're a good human. Um, but nonetheless, he and Don Lemon are both out of jobs. Those are two openings right there. Maybe we take, like, Tuesdays and Thursdays at Tucker's spot, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays at, at Don's spot, and we can be Team Purple. Team moderate, all right? So anyhow, yeah, I'm fired up because last week when I was in D.C. Mm -hmm. and we were advocating on behalf of the industry, which, by the way, you're going to want to check out the next episode. The episode right after this one is all about that trip. You don't want to miss it. It's longer than I anticipated, but it's well worth the listen Mm -hmm. if you care Mm -hmm. about your industry and policy and how the government operates. And if you want to try to be entertained about how I got to meet Marco Rubio and why Bernie Sanders waved at me. But that's not what this is about. I'm in D.C. We're advocating. One of the things that we're advocating on behalf is LLPAs. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if it was the Washington Post or the New York Times, somebody drops this article about how the Biden administration is going to be penalizing people with good credit. And giving that savings to people with bad credit. Damn it. And then the national news media. Oh, with the lower third ticker? Grabs a hold of it. Let's go. And then every Tom, Dick, Harry, Karen, and Andrew, James, and Betsy. Wants to comment about it. Mildred and Jamal. Wants to comment about it on the internet so they can get engaged. Wants to Post about it like, A, they know what the F they're talking about. No idea. And B, they actually understand the subject matter. Probably not. No. I'm like, oh, my God. And I I try hard. I go to, to therapy sessions where we talk about the chips on my shoulder and how I need to sometimes not volley back and how I need to let things roll off my back. And I couldn't, John. I couldn't do it. You're still in therapy? I could not do it. You still go to that? When I feel like it'll do me good, it's kind of going to the chiropractor. Oh, okay. I didn't know. It's like going to the chiropractor. When you feel like you need Sometimes a tune-up. Sometimes you need a, yeah, need a good adjustment. Oh, shit. Okay, yes. let's go. Okay, yeah, so um, shout out to any mental health counselor or life coach out there. They're amazing, yeah. right? So, y'all, I just want to, the world according to Dustin Owen, a 20-year mortgage veteran. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not here to debate whether or not it's good or bad, right? I'm not. Like, I don't. The rules are the rules, and they're given to us. Here's what I want everyone to understand, and I hope that I can share some some tidbits of knowledge or information that lets you speak 
more eloquently and eloquently to the consumer, to your neighbors, to your friends, to the real realtors that that refer you, so you understand this better. Let's go. Let's start with this. Yes, there are changes. Yes, someone with good to great credit used to get benefits, and those benefits have been reduced. By the way, they've been reduced, not taken away. And yes, people with average to below average credit, they have always been penalized when it comes to the fees imposed on them, the interest rates that they're able to obtain. They've been penalized for having average to below average credit. And yes, that penalty has been reduced, but we are still giving benefits to people with good credit and we are still penalizing people with bad credit. And again, I'm not here to debate whether or not we should or should not do that. I just want to set the record straight because many people either assumed or they passed along information that was very confusing that would make someone want to believe that someone with bad credit was getting something better than someone with good credit, right? So truth be told, that's not the case. By the way, we are only talking about loans that are delivered to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And by the way, delivered. I love the news media. May 1st, May 1st, May 1st. No, no, no. Delivered May 1st. In order for me to, to deliver a loan to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac by May 1st, it had to have closed more than likely by April 26th or before, which meant it was locked in 30 days before April 26th, which puts me into March, which means these changes have been in place already. This is a nothing burger. Dummy. This is a nothing burger, guys and girls. Our world has been going along just fine. We are slowly getting better week by week when it comes to interest rates are coming down and more people are buying houses and more people are willing to sell their houses. Nothing burger. Okay, so that's another let's set the facts straight. Like, And then by the way, do you all know that there's? we also penalize people who buy mobile homes and we penalize people who buy condos and we penalize people who do not want to have their taxes and their insurance included in their mortgage payment? No, because I didn't see it included in the news ticker, so it must yeah, not be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we penalize those people. There are LLPA hits to those people who are those characteristics. Credit score is like one of 28 factors that goes into the price you pay. And by the way, just for loans that are going to Fannie and Freddie, that's a conventional conforming 15 or 30 year fixed mortgage most times. That's not a VA home loan. That's not an FHA home loan. That's not a USDA home loan. That is not your bank's portfolio product. That is not any of the non-QM loans that we are doing, like bank statement loans or DSCR loans. And that's not what's called a private label security. Okay, so just loans being delivered to Fannie and Freddie. By the way, the Biden administration, nor the Trump administration, nor the Obama administration, nor the Bush administration, nor the Clinton administration. Oh, by the way, there was no FHFA for the Clinton administration. No, it's not. Um, and it probably came about towards the end of Bush and beginning of Obama. But the FHFA is a conservator of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It came about after the financial collapse, and it, it was born through the Dodd-Frank Act. Joe Biden didn't have a say in this. Director Sondra Thompson did. And yes, you could say she was appointed by the Biden administration. Sure. But Joe Biden didn't pick up the phone and call Director Thompson and be like, hey, I'm making some Sandy. LLPA changes today. Yeah, hey, Sandy, Uncle Joe here. Let's see how we can screw people with good credit and give that savings to people with bad credit. 
Okay, by the way, not bad credit. Average credit is 680. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have a floor of 620. So if you're below 620, you're not even getting a, FA, a, a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac home loan, right? Because you're not even eligible. So no, it's just those loans. And if you really, you really want to just kind of ponder something, ponder these two things. First and foremost, and I saw a buddy of mine. This is a dude that like, I literally went to his hometown this summer and I enjoyed having breakfast with him. I respect him. He's a good dude. But, and I know what he was doing. Look, his job is to sell a market himself. His job is to be able to um, control local content and his market to be the subject matter expert. But I disagreed with something that he made in his video statement. He made a statement that alluded to, in order to have good credit, you must do put in work, pay your bills on time, and... Um, What was the other one? Like work hard. It was like, oh, we're penalizing those that go to work. We're penalizing those that pay their bills, that on, time. Pay their bills on time and those that work hard. I took offense to that. I'm a blue collar guy. Come from a blue collar family. Yes, I work in a white collar industry with my blue collar work ethic. But the boys from my neighborhood that I grew up with, right? my uncles, my father, my grandfathers, no blue collar. I dare you to get in a room with one of those men and get face to face and tell them that they don't pay their bills on time. Tell them that they don't work hard, that they don't go to work, put in work. Uh-uh, I'm not, I couldn't handle that. Yes, their credit score may be 660 or 690 or zero because my grandfather didn't believe in credit. Word. Hey, I owe nobody nobody. Because I don't have I owe no. nobody nothing. Word. Right, I work hard, two jobs, right, with my, with my 10th grade education. Right. He didn't have credit because he didn't understand it. Because he didn't make it through 12th grade, let alone into, into college. He didn't come from a family that taught him. Or better yet, like my son, my son's going to have great credit by the time he's 22. Why? Because he's my kid. Because I hooked him up. Right? Because I knew when he was 18, I put him on as an authorized user. Onto my credit card that I've had for 20 years. I know that when I go to buy him a car when he graduates high school, that we're going to take out a car loan and I'm going to put him on the car loan so we can build his credit, right? I'm doing those things for my son. It does not mean my son is any better than someone who gets up at 6 a.m. and puts in 10 hours of work who maybe just doesn't have credit or they have one credit card. They use it every single month, but they max it out. And because of that, they don't have enough credit and the credit they do have doesn't have the proper ratio of limit to balance. So they have a 670 credit score or maybe God forbid, They have a $90 medical collection from the time they had to take their two-year-old daughter to the freaking ER because she had a 104-degree fever. They didn't know about that $90 medical collection. They owe nobody nothing. They work hard, right? So I took, obviously, you can tell as I get fired up, right? I took offense to that, right? Just in general, that statement, because just because you have a 690 credit score, it doesn't mean that you're not a good person, that you don't work hard. It doesn't mean that you don't put in work and that you're responsible. It may mean that you're not educated. It may mean that you haven't been invited into the room where this type of stuff is talked about. The stuff we talk about on this podcast. This is why JC and DO want to be your financial friends with benefits. And then you start thinking about, well, who has that 670, 690 credit score? Could it be the, the cop making 52 grand a year? Her 
teach her husband who's making 48 grand a year at $100,000 a year in most of our top 25 metros, that's barely enough to, to live, let alone save a 20 or 25% down payment, right? So they only have three to 5% to put down, right? And maybe their credit is good, but not great. I feel like people are like, oh, we're robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're Robin Hooding it. I'm like, look, and I'm not here to debate it. I'm just here to say, have you thought this all the way through? And then finally, as a shmi in mortgage, by the way, y'all, if your credit score is under 700, if you're trying to put three to 5% down, I'm not even doing a conventional conforming loan for you in today's market. So that don't even matter what we're talking about here. I'm doing an FHA loan. It's a better loan product. It's a cheaper interest rate and cheaper mortgage insurance. So then let me run this by you before we have to go and let me check my time. You have to unlock it and then put in your passcode. That is stupid, John. Why do I have to unlock and put in my passcode? I got plenty of time too. I can slow it down, take a sip from this copper mug. So I have a question for you in the interim. Yes. Are you calm down before that water Calm down, God no. Dang. No, we, we didn't plan on this episode. The universe forced this upon us. So the people out there, to say I have good credit and like all these loan level pricing adjustments hit and blah, 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 whatever. At the end of the day, like what does this mean? Like dollars wise, I'm going to have to pay like 40 bucks more on my loan. Like what does it really boil down to? John, I would think that you've been co-hosting and producing a podcast for the past three years. <laughs> Holy cow. I want to give you a hug and a kiss right now. What does it boil down to? Are we bitching about like $25 a month? Because if we are, people are sheeple. Yes. 20, it's look at the end of the day, depending on your market, you're talking about 25 to 40 bucks a month in monthly payment. You're talking about a potential, maybe an extra two or three grand at closing, by the way, two or three grand at closing when you're already bringing right, like 30 to $40,000 to closing, ain't really nothing. right? Or 25 to 40 bucks a month. I know it all adds up people. I get it. I understand compound interest. I teach it. But it's 25 to 40 bucks a month for what? The next five to seven years? The next, by the way, two or three years before you refinance? That's like, what I'm saying. So when you refi, do these LLPAs come off? Do depends they on the loan product. So yeah, you could, oh, could refinance. Who, who's making you go get a conventional conforming loan that's going to go to Fannie and Freddie? You know what? If there's a better loan because you have great credit mm. and a bunch of money down, go, to your, go, go find a private label security. Mm. Right? Go find a private label security. Like, you don't have to get a Fannie and Freddie loan. And that's what I was getting at before. I had to check the time and take a sip of water from my copper mug. I think it's water in there, John. Yeah, I wish. I think it's water it's in there. It's not tequila. It's not. Well, it'd be it'd be a Moscow Mule if it was anything. Mm. Actually, it would with me. It'd be one of those Kentucky Mules. It's nothing because there's no condensation on the mug. If there was properly made out of ice. Okay. Let's not get on this rabble. <laughs> I got to get over to Ginger Bell and the Mortgage Influence Podcast after, Let's go. after we record this. No, so we wouldn't even be doing a loan for you more than likely. We'd be doing an FHA loan for you. More than likely, we'd be doing FHA loan. So people just need to understand that. And yes, to your point, what, what is the penalty if it's a penalty? Because my same friend who fired me up because he alluded to, mm -hmm. if you don't have great credit, you must not go to work. You must not work hard, Yeah, you right? You must be lazy. Yeah. I took offense to that. He also made a valid point. He goes, Dustin, we are still penalizing people with good credit. If you used to have one benefit and now your benefit's been reduced, that is a penalty. And I said to him, I'm not going to disagree with you. That's not worth arguing. That's tomato, tomato. Yep. Cool. Um, but here's something I want people to understand. And if you listen to our next episode, I'm going to talk about how I basically saw Lindsey Graham and Elizabeth Warren make out on the Senate floor. They didn't, but they got along like friends would. Okay. So anyone who follows this industry, 
will understand this. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have always been a quasi-government agency. There used to be a time, and you still can buy it, but their stock's a penny stock. They were a publicly traded stock, right? They weren't a government entity the way that, Fa that FHA, VA, USDA, those are government loans. They end in A. We teach that. We have a whole entire website called TLOP Online where we teach mortgage professionals stuff like that. If it ends in A, it's a government loan. What's a government loan? USDA, VA? FHA. FHA. There you go. Okay, so it was always quasi-government. And then when the market melted in 2008 and they lost hundreds of millions of dollars due to loans going bad, loans going into foreclosure, Fannie and Freddie, which at the time, they probably purchased a third of the mortgages out there. A third. That meant that VA got their 5 to 10%, FHA got their 10 to 15%, and the rest was going to the private market. Private market. Okay. It collapses. They have to go into conservatorship. That's where the FHFA comes into play. That's where now Sandra Thompson is the director of the FHFA. What we as an industry, we as a country, we as elected officials have been stumping and striving to do. And this goes back to the Trump administration, mm -hmm. and it carried into the Biden administration, is how do we reinvigorate Fannie and Freddie with the cash they need so we can release them from conservatorship? So they can go back to being more of a quasi-government, which is like half private, half public, um, half government, half, half private, I should say, entity. Well, we didn't raise money. So the previous administration, if we're going to blame presidents, which we shouldn't, they thought, well, hey, we're going to raise money by making it very expensive for people to buy vacation homes and use a conventional conforming loan. We lived through that. That's why we've gone from it. It was used to be very easy to put 10% down and get an affordable mortgage to buy a second home, a vacation property. Now, good luck. The fees are so through the roof, you might as well put 20 or 30% down in order if you're going to use a conventional conforming loan that's backed by Fannie and Freddie. We also went through a phase during the refi boom of 2020 and 21 the director of the FHA at the time, which wasn't Director Thompson, he was like, you know what? This is a good money grab opportunity. Let's, incre let's increase the fees on refis so that we can fill our coffers. Now, he didn't call it that. He called it an adverse market delivery fee. We're afraid that some of these refis are going to go bad because of COVID and because of the uncertainty with the economy and, and employment with COVID. We're going to increase the fee on all borrowers refinancing. No, it was a money grab. Why was it a money grab? Because we have said, as a taxpayer base, we have said we do not think Fannie and Freddie should be under conservatorship. We need to get them released. But in order to get them released, we have to get the amount of money they have in the bank up. We have to raise that money some, somewhere. So it could be hypothesized that really, here's what Director Thompson did. She and her team put together these changes, which they knew really wouldn't benefit low to moderate income borrowers and first generation borrowers, although they spun it and sold it to the media, to their constituents, to the voting block and the fundraisers who care about that the most, that look at us, we're looking out for the little guy. And what they really wanted to do is say, we, we know we're not capturing that business right now. We know that business is going to VA, FHA and, and USDA, but we need to find a way to increase the fees on the loans that we are doing so that we can continue to raise money and eventually get Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac at a conservatorship. 
At which point, maybe that's what this ploy was, but they don't sell it or spin it that way. Just something to make you say, hmm, is that really how the world works? One administration, they were raising money to try to get Fannie and Freddie out of conservatorship because, or not because, but through increasing the fees on people buying second homes or vacation homes and increasing the fees on people taking advantage of super low interest rates and refinancing. This administration just said, hey, we want to just reduce them altogether, but we're going to make it appear like we're reducing in one or two buckets in order to not penalize as much in the other two buckets. And then finally, because my time is running out. Contestants, you have one minute left. I do want to share something that I posted. I posted it kind of to be a smart ass, truth be told. On social media? On social media. It's with a good buddy of mine. Like, it's a good buddy of mine that I've known since high school. Love him dearly. Um, and he had actually made a comment to... Um, he had made a comment to um, someone else's post. And, and his comment was actually a good comment. His comment was something along the lines of, hey, is the NBA or banks doing anything to litigate these changes? And I could have been like, yes, but no. Yes, we're litigating the 40 DTI change that none of y'all know nothing about that I talk about a lot in the next episode. And we've done episodes on in the past on. But knowing where he stands politically, I appreciate this response. So I want to leave you all with this thought. This was me being a smartass, but very much a libertarian view on someone being all up in arms because they feel like this is unfair. I want you to understand this about Fannie Mae, at least in the words as I wrote them, as they make sense to me. And it goes something like this. Fannie and Freddie should be abolished. That was in my post. That's how I started it off. We don't need the government propping up the housing market, letting everyone build personal wealth on the backs of the American taxpayer. These are the same quasi-government institutions that used to offer better pricing to the top lenders in America while passing along higher G fees to the small mom and pop shops. That was true. That was happening in 2004, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Banks like Bank of America and Countrywide were getting better rates and less fees than maybe a small regional lender or even a, a, a more like state, state lender. All right, so I, I continue to write. And again, this is very easy, easy, many people's stances. This was me just trying to force this person to look a certain direction, especially because I know where he stands politically on many things. Um, then after the housing collapse, they, they meaning Fannie and Freddie, needed a bailout. These two institutions are very socialist by nature as they represent a government backed by backed entity that creates a market which would not be readily available without them. We need litigation, yes. We need litigation to ban their existence and end this social welfare for homeowners once and for all. Now think about that, people. As my time comes to, to, to an end, think about that. Now, do I believe that way? No. I don't want to live in a world without Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They do offer liquidity. But I do want people who have issues with these LLPA changes, especially those that maybe don't necessarily understand them because they're not in the industry, they're not schmees, mm -hmm. to know that roughly 90 plus percent of every loan that we underwrite today to help people buy homes is a government-backed loan. Without the U.S. government, you could not get these home loans. 
FHA, VA, USDA. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. It's essentially at least 80, if not 90% of every home loan that's being written today. We would not be able to do that. If we didn't have Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, home prices would collapse. And then what would happen? The extremely rich would get richer because then only people who have shit tons of money in the bank, that's metric by the way, that I learned that when I was in Germany. They measure things by the shit ton. So shit tons of money in the bank would go around and gobble up all of the real estate because they could afford to pay cash or they could afford to put their 25% down. Do not pass go. So we need Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. But if you want to complain about this same government institution that is allowing people to become homeowners, allowing people to generate the most amount of wealth they'll ever be able to generate in their lifetime for many, I think you have to then sit back and let them do what they need to do, right? They're the trusted people. They're the ones in the driver's seat. They're the ones that are in power. Let them make the decisions that they need to make mm -hmm. because we can't operate without them. And that's why you can tell I'm so passionate about this subject, and that's why I added so much. To yeah, so I appreciate everyone who tuned in and made it through that diatribe of me hopping on a soapbox Jesus. and spitting flames. Don't get deep. If up. you want to tune into someone who spits flames but a more positive spin, tune what's in. the date of, of Steve Richmond's event? It's coming May up really 8th, soon. May 8th. May 8th. It's a free Zoom webinar where Steve and one of his colleagues is going to be dedicating an hour of their time to teach you and I how to become better public speakers and better presenters. All of the information that you need on this is on our website, tloponline.com or theloanofficerpodcast.com. When you get a chance, when you're on the website, check out our sales tools, check out our training videos, consider becoming a member. That website is literally going to be growing leaps and bounds month to month, quarter to quarter. Mm-hmm. And if you're up in the Jacksonville market, be on the lookout. We are setting a date, Tuesday, May 23rd, I believe is a Tuesday. We're looking at doing a learn, earn, and grow sales symposium for mortgage professionals up in the Jacksonville market. Shout out to my boy, Tom Reber with Cross Country Mortgage. Shout out, Tom. Tom Reber and the Mortgage Bankers Association of Jacksonville is going to host us. We're going to partner with uh, one of Tom's lender buddies and his favorite title company, and we're gonna kick ass and take names the way we did just recently down in Palm Beach Gardens. Well said. His name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. You have just tuned in to a special edition of the mortgage of the Loan Officer Podcast. We look forward to catching you on the next episode. And if you like what we're doing, share us, follow us, comment. Word. Give us a five-star review and keep tuning in. Follow. Peace.